I have a question. Are you mowing in the dark? Welcome back to the Mowing in the Dark podcast. I am your host, Aaron Sutter, and thank you for tuning in to another Faith Friday episode. Guys, today is an exciting day because we have been going through the book of Romans, and today we get to the famed Romans chapter 8. Now, I don't think we're going to make it all the way through chapter 8 today. I think I'm going to split this one into two parts uh, because it is a little bit longer of a chapter, and I think it would just be more impactful if we did a part two. So we are going to go through Romans 8, but we're going to go Romans 8 verse 1 through 12, I think. Let me look here. Uh, yeah, probably, probably verse 12. We'll see. We'll see how it goes here, guys. Uh, but today I am reading again off of my laptop, but I decided to go away from the NIV on the laptop because the new NIV that they redid several years ago just bothers me and I don't like it. So I I personally read out of the NIV every day, but it's not the new, not the latest version. It is the older version, and I like it way better. So I decided to change it up. We're going to read out of the NASB, the New American Standard Bible. Uh, It is one of the most trusted Bible translations out there. So I decided to just go with that so there's no confusion, nothing. It kind of bridges that gap between, uh, let's say, the King James and the NIV. It's kind of more in the middle with understandability, uh, but it is a word-for-word translation, and it is considered the most reliable and accurate translation as far as I have heard. So, We are going to go with this today, and if you guys are listening at home and you have your Bible, go ahead and grab that. You can read along, because I'm not the best reader in the world, but you might have a different translation, and yours might say a few different things or word things different, and it might help you to see things in a different light. So I would encourage you, if you're at home, grab your Bible, read along, And uh, we are going to read through, I think we will read through verse 17, if it works. Um, I have it in in my computer here. Uh, It doesn't really split it up like my Bible does. So we'll just see. We'll see how it goes here, and I'll decide where to stop. And I will let you know where I stop, okay? So let's... Before we jump in, I want to make sure that I say this because I say it every time and you guys probably get sick of it that are returning listeners, but I don't really care. We're getting new listeners all the time. In fact, the Faith Friday episodes are the most listened to episodes on this podcast, believe it or not. So 
that is telling me that you guys really like the Faith Friday episodes, so I'm going to keep doing them. We're going to keep going. I try to make them inter- interesting, but I am not trying to add things to the Word of God. I'm not trying to preach a sermon here. I am reading the Word and expounding on it a little bit. All right, so that being said, follow along as we read. I would really appreciate that. All right, let's jump into it. Romans chapter 8. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set you free from the law of sin and of death. For what the law could not do, weak as it was through the flesh, God did, sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh and as an offering for sin. He condemned sin in the flesh, so that the requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit." For those who are according to the flesh set their minds on things of the flesh, but those who are according to the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. For the mind set on the flesh is death, but the mind set on the Spirit is life and peace, because the mind set on the flesh is hostile towards God. For it does not subject itself to the law of God, for it is not even able to do so. And those who are in the flesh cannot please God. However, you are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if indeed the Spirit of God dwells in you. But if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he does not belong to him. If Christ is in you, though the body is dead because of sin, Yet the Spirit is alive because of righteousness. But if the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, He who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through His Spirit who dwells in you. So then, brethren, we are under obligation, not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. For if you are living according to the flesh, you must die. But if by the Spirit you are putting to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For all who are being led by the Spirit of God, these are sons of God. For you have not received a spirit of slavery leading to fear again, but you have received a spirit of adoption as sons by which we cry out, Abba, Father." The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are children of God, and if children, heirs also, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with him, so that we may also be glorified with him. All right, and we are stopping there at verse 17. I think that is a good place to stop. So let's go back to verse 1, Romans 8, verse 1. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. This is like one of those staple verses in the Christian faith. And it gets used a lot. Uh, and it's a, it's a great verse. 
Um, a lot of times people will just use it, you know, because it can be taken out of context. Let's put it that way. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Okay, but there's a question that I have there. Who is in Christ Jesus? And are you sure that you're in Christ Jesus? See, I, I had to go over this with myself a couple years back. I had watched the documentary American Gospel, Christ Crucified or something like that, and I was really challenged by that film. All those films, really. There's three of them, I believe. And it really hit home for me to examine myself to see if I was in the faith. And after examining myself, I found that I was quite unsure if I was in the faith or not. And so I went through the process of, I guess you could say, re-accepting Christ. I, I don't know how else to say that. I I was baptized as a teenager. I accepted Christ when I was 10 or so at a Bible camp, but it the gospel really wasn't shared clearly to me then. I really didn't know what the gospel meant, what it was. It was just like a thing that the camp counselor for my cabin had to take each one of us aside and do. And there was no real good explanation of the gospel. And so I really felt like I was not a born-again believer. I really felt that way. I, I didn't have any control over sin in my life. I had no, it, it was just, it was really, it was awful. And so coming to this realization was really wonderful. And I love this verse. I love this verse. Therefore, there is now con no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Uh, my commentary says here, and I use the Believer's Bible Commentary. Um, it's the second edition. It's written by William McDonald, and it's edited by Art Farnstad, and, uh, or Farstad, something like that. But let me read what, read what he says about verse 1 here. From the valley of despair and defeat, the apostle now climbs the heights with the triumph, sh with a triumph shout. There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. This may be understood in two ways. First, there is no divine condemnation as far as our sin is concerned because we are in Christ. There was condemnation as long as we were in our first federal head, Adam. So if you think back to Adam, Adam was the first man who sinned. So he is called our first federal head. 
Jesus Christ is considered our second, our final federal head, okay? There was condemnation as long as we were in our first federal head, Adam, but now we are in Christ and therefore are as free from condemnation as he is. So we can hurl out that's a that's a quote, so I'm not going to read that. But anyway, uh, that's just really cool. That it that just kind of explains it a little bit better. But that is why I love Romans chapter eight verse one. If we are in Christ Jesus, and we examine ourselves, and we find that we are in Christ Jesus, there is no condemnation. For those of us who are in him, that is just that, that, that could end the podcast right there, but let's go on. Okay. Uh, verse two for the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set you free from the law of sin and of death. So the law of the spirit of life in Jesus Christ has set you free from the law of sin. So the law, if we go back to the Old Testament and we think about the the Mosaic law, that was a bunch of rules and regulations that we could not live up to. The Old Testament law was written down to to make it clear to us that we cannot do it on our own. We cannot make it to heaven on our own. That is what the Mosaic law was meant to do, was to show us our sinfulness and to, and to make apparent to us that no matter how hard we try, we cannot do it on our own. It is only through Jesus Christ, that we can be set free. Verse 3, for what the law could not do, weak as it was through the flesh, God did. So, for what the law could could not do, the law could not save us, is what Paul is saying here. The law could not save us. Weak as it was, through the flesh, because that law was only to govern the flesh. It had nothing to do with the spirit. It was the, the Mosaic law was basically there to appease God so that our, there was a way for our sins to be forgiven, but we were not made whole. Our spirit was still lost. Weak as it was through the flesh, God did. God did it. Not us. God did it. Sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and as an offering for sin, he condemned sin in the flesh. So he sent Jesus Christ as a man in flesh, sinful flesh, it says here. And as an offering for sin. In the Old Testament, think back, because Paul is 
is jumping from new to old here. He because of the audience that he's talking to, they would under they would understand the old Mosaic law. And he is explaining the new law to them, the law of Jesus Christ. They would understand the old law that Jesus came in the likeness he wasn't sinful flesh. He came in the likeness of sinful flesh. He looked like us. And and as an offering for sin. So in the Old Testament, an offering for sins had to be a lamb or an animal without blemish. It had to be basically perfect. You could not find a blemish on the animal. And that is the picture that Paul is painting here, that Jesus Christ was perfect. He was spotless. He was sinless. But he came in the likeness of sinful flesh. He condemned sin in the flesh. So God came, Jesus came in the likeness of sinful flesh. He was an offering for sin, and he condemned sin in the flesh. Verse 4, so that the requirement of the law, the Old Testament law, might be fulfilled in us. So Jesus Christ did not come and abolish the Old Testament law. He didn't. Because if he were to abolish it, we would then no longer understand our sinfulness. He did not come to destroy the Old Testament law. Jesus Christ came to fulfill the Old Testament law. He is the fulfillment. He is the final sacrifice. We went over this last, the last uh, Faith Friday episode that I put out in Romans chapter 7. That he came to fulfill the law. Verse 4 again, so that the requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. Because now we have Jesus Christ, we have accepted him, we've chosen to put our faith in him, we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord, and we believe in our heart that, that God raised him from the dead. We now live according to the Spirit. Verse 5. For those who are according to the flesh, those who live according to the flesh, set their minds on things of the flesh. So, before I was saved, my mind was continually on me, on things that I could gain myself, selfish desires. And slowly, since I have really put my faith in Jesus Christ, he is changing my focus from earthly, fleshly things to heavenly things, more spirit-led things. My, my focus is changing. My focus is turning towards him rather than myself, towards him and towards others. 
Okay, so let's read verse 5 again. For those who are according to the flesh set their minds on things of the flesh. But those who who live according to the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. Now that I have the Spirit living in me, my focus, certainly it doesn't happen overnight. Sanctification is a process that will continue until we get to heaven. But slowly, I can see things in my life that are changing from looking at me to looking towards him and towards others to serve, to give. All right. Verse six, for the mindset on the flesh is death. Let's read that again. Verse 6, for the mind set on the flesh is death, but the mind set on the spirit is life and peace. If your mind is set on the spirit, you, you are going to have a life of peace. You will have peace in your heart. Now, the last couple of weeks, the last three weeks have been uber stressful for me just because of all the busyness of my personal life with trying to do things with my church trying because we had a church camp out i talked about this yesterday on the podcast if you don't listen to the regular episodes of the podcast you wouldn't have heard this but the last few weekends have been super busy for me First, there was the holiday weekend and we were gone. We went camping. Then I had to squeeze five days of work into four so that I could go to a church camp out the next weekend. And then the weekend after that, so the next week, I had to, again, squeeze five days of work into four because my son and I went on a hike with our church again up to Pictured Rocks National Lakeshore, and we wanted to go to that, but it's been super stressful because I feel like everything is running a million miles an hour because I've there are Monday and Tuesday, I worked about 13 hours both days. And so it's, I haven't done a lot of paperwork. I haven't been able to keep up with emails or phone calls. It's just been outrageous. But there is a peace that comes and I know that no matter what happens, if my business, if the wheels fall off my business, I'm okay. I have a peace that the spirit of God has, has me. He's my safety net. That's what I have. And that's what we have when we're in Christ. Verse seven, because the mind set on the flesh, is hostile toward God. That is absolutely true. When you, when you are not a true believer, your flesh and your mind are hostile towards God. It may not feel that way, but it is, that is what it is. You're an enemy of God. Let's continue. For it does not subject itself to the law of God, for it is not even able to do so. 
when we are not in Christ, we are not able to submit to the law of God. And we're not, we're not even able to do so. We can't do it. Our flesh is in control. Verse 8, And those who are in the flesh cannot please God. So it doesn't matter how much you work. It doesn't matter if you sing worship songs to God and raise your hands and you're, you, you feel some kind of way when you're worshiping God. It, it's no good. If you are not in Christ, your worship is in vain because your flesh is still and your mind is still set against God. It is hostile towards God and it will not submit. Verse 9. However, you are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. If indeed the spirit of God dwells in you, that would indicate what I just said, that if indeed, because he's writing to the church, if indeed the spirit of God dwells in you, guess what guys? Our churches are full of people who think they are saved and they are not. Their flesh and their mind is still hostile towards God. They do all the right things. They say all the right things. That was me. I'm a preacher's kid. That was me. I could, I could, man, I could BS it with the best of them. I could fake it till I made it. And you can too. Everybody can. Because in church, if you just say the right words, and you act a certain way, people think you are you you are probably just holier than thou. That you you must have a really tight relationship with Jesus Christ. And I'm sorry <laughs> that it's just not true. If if you had a real relationship with Jesus Christ, you would you wouldn't act a certain way you would not use all the flowery churchy language you would just be yourself so if you're finding yourself going to church and you're not being yourself and you change your language for church and you're changing the way you act for church, you may want to really examine yourself because you may not be in the Spirit. You may be hostile to God. Your flesh and your mind may be hostile to God. So I would encourage you, examine yourselves to be sure that you are in the faith. And we will get to that. I believe that is later on in Romans, I believe. And there's a test that you can take. It's right in God's word. I did it and you can do it. But we will get that to that in another time. 
All right, let's read verse 9 again because we kind of got lost in the weeds there. Verse 9, however, you are not in the flesh, but in the spirit, if indeed the spirit of God dwells in you. But if anyone does not have the spirit of Christ, he does not belong to him. Again, that just goes along with everything I just said before. Verse 10, if Christ is in you, though the body is dead because of sin, yet the spirit is alive because of righteousness. Let me read that again because I didn't read it quite quite right. Verse 10, if Christ is in you, though the body is dead because of sin, yet the spirit is alive because of righteousness. Your body is still dead. If Christ is in you, your body is still dead because of sin. But if you have the spirit of Jesus Christ, or the Holy Spirit rather, living inside of you, you are alive because of righteousness. It's, it's, it's kind of a mystery. It, it can be really confusing. It's kind of a mystery. It's kind of a dichotomy of I'm dead, but I'm alive. My flesh is dead, but my spirit is alive. Verse 11. But if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. Now, what I think this is saying and what it is actually saying could be two different things, but I am thinking that this is saying that that this is Paul is talking about when we are reunited with our bodies, our earthly bodies, after we die and have gone to heaven and then Christ returns and we are, re- are our, we are reunited with our earthly bodies. I could be totally wrong here. Uh, I don't know, but that's the picture that I get that Paul is saying here. Because as long as we are on earth, I don't think that our bodies can be made alive or unsinful. All right, so let me look at my commentary here. What does it say for 8.11? But the reminder that the body is still subject to death need, need cause no alarm or despair. The fact that the Holy Spirit indwells our bodies is a guarantee that just as he raised Christ from the dead, so he will also give life to our mortal bodies. This will be the final act of our redemption when our bodies are glorified like the Savior's body of glory. So yes, I think that is what he's talking about here, is that when we are reunited with our earthly bodies after the return of Christ and all that stuff that Revelation talks about, then we we will have a a perfect sinless body. I think that is what Paul is talking about here. All right, verse 12. So then, brethren, we are under obligation not to the flesh to live according to the flesh. Verse 13, for if you are living according to the flesh, you must die. But 
if by the Spirit you are putting to death the deeds of the body, you will live. So what he's talking about here is dying to your flesh. Dying to those desires. We're still going to screw up. We're still going to give in once in a while. It's our mortal body. But if we continually fight to control this flesh, to control it, and we are living by the Spirit, and we are putting to death the deeds of this body, then we will live. Verse 14, for all who are being led by the Spirit of God, these are sons of God. Now, I don't want you to get, uh, I don't want to get too foo-foo here with for all who are being led by the Spirit of God, because there are so many people who say they believe and that they're being led by the Spirit of God, and this is what they say. They say, They say that God told me to tell you this. God told me to do this. God said this to me, and I'm supposed to do it. I'm sorry, that's not true. I'm sorry. I I don't believe you. I, I, I don't. I don't believe that you have an audible conversation with God where he told you to go do something. I don't believe that. I believe that God speaks through his word today. I believe that the Holy Spirit speaks through his word today. I do not believe that you heard an audible voice that said, I want you to tell this to that person. I'm sorry, I don't. And I don't think the Holy Spirit told you that either. I think it was your flesh. Because I've done this. I have done this. A long time ago, a few years back, uh, quite a number of years back, probably, I don't know, 11 years ago or so, I went to the a, cast, a Casting Crowns concert. Okay? Wonderful concert. It was beautiful. It was wonderful. Casting Crowns, Stephen Curtis Chapman, that sort of thing. Okay? And they played uh, the song where... You know, it's about David and Goliath and whatever, giants falling or whatever. And I, at that point, I had been in music a long time. And the the ministry that I was playing music at had just closed. They had just closed. And it was, it was sad. It was a sad time in my life because I had nowhere to go after that. And so in this concert... In my flesh, but what I thought was the spirit at the time said said to myself, really, but I thought it was the spirit, that I was supposed to start a traveling worship band. And so I told my wife about it. I was in tears in the concert. I was like, oh, God, you spoke to me. Oh, this is wonderful. Oh, gosh. But. It wasn't really God. Because, I'll tell you why. 
Let's take the story full full circle here, okay? So I started this this traveling worship band, or I tried to. We got I got all the the members together, and we were practicing music. And the the guitarist, one of the guitarists for the band, was a preacher's kid, and his dad had a church close by. And he talked to his dad. We were looking to get some. I, I want to call them gigs. And so they had us booked for every other Sunday at their church. I thought, well, this is okay. This isn't too bad. But remember what I thought God was telling me was I'm supposed to have a traveling worship band. Remember? And so I, th- I thought, this is great, you know, I, I get to play music. And then the church that we were having our rehearsals at, they wanted us to play one week a month or something like that. And so we were doing that. So we were going between two churches in the area. And I thought this was God-led. But... Remember, back at the concert, traveling worship band, not community worship band. Do you see what I'm saying here? This was not God speaking to me. It was my flesh. And soon after this started, maybe I think we lasted, the band itself lasted maybe three months and it was done because we had committed to these two churches and it wasn't really something that a lot of these people wanted to do. They wanted to be a part of a traveling worship thing. And so it fell apart because it was me. It wasn't, it wasn't God who was doing it. It wasn't God who spoke to me. I didn't get that out of his word. That was my flesh. And eventually, the whole thing fell apart. Another another story that I have, where this couple that I know, I don't know them well, but I know them. They were a part of a church, and recently their pastor had left. Again, another kind of trauma in life, okay? And they came out and said, we believe that God spoke to us and said that we're supposed to get an RV and we're supposed to travel the country and play worship music. Okay. All right. What? Okay. So they, they do their thing. They share this story with many, many people. And then they ask, is there anyone with an RV that would be willing to give us an RV? Okay, first of all, that's the first red flag. If this was God, he would have had somebody come to them without them even saying a word and say, here's an RV. I don't know what to do with it. I don't use it anymore. I feel like God is saying, give this to you. 
but instead they gave guilt trips and they 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 kind of pushed their weight around a little bit and they got this beautiful motorhome and so they renovated it they painted it they did all sorts of stuff to it and they got on the road and they had people giving them money and it seemed great it seemed awesome it seemed wonderful like they were going to go do this thing and the first camp they went to the first campground they went to they tried to lead some worship music no one showed up the next one they went to no one showed up they got to as far as tennessee they were driving straight south it was maybe a month at the most they gave up on the whole thing They sold the RV that was given to them, and it was done. If this was God, if this was the Holy Spirit talking to these people and saying, I want you to do this, there would have been no doubt, and there would have been drive in them to continue. They would have had drive like you would not believe because when you hear from the Holy Spirit, you know it. Think of Moses and the burning bush. When he heard from God, he had no doubt. And he went all the way through to freeing God's people from Egypt. These people made it a few hundred miles. This was not the Holy Spirit. Now, I love these people. They're great people. And I have no doubt that their heart was in the right place. But this was not God speaking. It was their flesh. Am I saying that they're not saved? No. Our flesh can deceive us even now as we are in the spirit. But what I'm saying is the Holy Spirit, all of this to say is that the Holy Spirit does not speak audibly very often anymore. He speaks through God's word. We can trust that. We can trust it for sure. Without a shadow of a doubt, we can trust God's word. We cannot trust what we hear in our head. We can't. I'm sorry. I can't. You can't. We all can't. But we can trust God's word as long as we keep it in context. Because you could take one verse and say, you know, look at this. This says that go into all the world and preach the gospel. God is saying to me, I just read this. God is saying to me, grab an RV. Let's go try to lead worship music at campgrounds. That's not what he's saying. He's saying, preach the gospel right where you're at. You don't need an RV. It's right where you're at. So all that to say, 
we hear from the Holy Spirit through the Word of God. Yes, He can speak to us whatever way He wants to, and we should be listening, but we also need to verify what was said with at least three other people, and we need to verify it with God's Word. Period. End of discussion. That's it. We can't rely on just what we heard in our brain. All right? Now I'm really lost, <laughs> and you're probably really lost too. Maybe you even stopped listening. I hope you didn't stop listening, but if you did, I understand. Let's go uh, verse 14. For all who are being led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. If you're being led by the Spirit and you're listening through his word, you are sons and daughters of God. Verse 15, for you have not received a spirit of slavery leading to fear again. So the Israelites, they were in fear. They were slaves to fear. But, back to the scripture here, but you have received a spirit of adoption as sons or daughters by which we cry, by which we cry out, Abba, Father. Verse 16, so let's just hold up a second here. If we are in Christ, and if we have received the Spirit, we have received the Spirit of adoption. We are, we are sons of the Father. We are daughters of the Father. Verse 16, the Spirit himself, the Holy Spirit, testifies with our spirit that we are children of God. Now be careful here. Be careful here. Our emotions, we are humans and we have these things called emotions. And in our emotions, we can say, I feel the spirit of God. He's in me. I feel it. I feel it. I feel it. Oh goodness. Let's run around the church. Like, like we're on fire. No, it's not what he's saying. Okay. The spirit himself testifies with our spirit, that we are children of God. There Again, there is a test in Romans that is coming up that we will get to in the next few chapters. That is where you discern whether you are in the faith or not, whether you are a son or daughter of the Most High. All right? We cannot live by our feelings. It's not a feeling here. All right? Verse 17, and if children, heirs also, what's an heir? An heir is someone who has all the rights of the father passed down to them. So like a king, you're the heirs to the throne, they have the, the, the riches get passed down. I shouldn't say all the rights, but the riches get passed down to the children to the heirs. And if children, heirs also, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ. So we are brothers and sisters with Christ. Now Christ is above us. Don't get me wrong. Don't let, don't hear this wrong. Christ is above and we are equal to. Okay. We are not equal with Christ in that he is divine. We are not divine beings. 
you know, as people like Kenneth Copeland would want to tell you, or Stephen Furtick would want to tell you, that we are, we are Christ. We are, we are God. Stephen Furtick, Stephen Furtick has said this. Quote, I am God Almighty. Stephen Furtick, from his mouth, wasn't a slip of the tongue. That is what he believes. When he hears heirs with Christ, with God, he believes he is equal to God. That is absolute blasphemy. You are not. You are a child of God. You are an heir. The riches are passed down. You do not get you do not get the power of God. You get the riches of God. Just like Queen Elizabeth, the crown passes to her son. He has now the power of the kingship, but the heirs to the throne do not get that power unless they get the throne, right? We as heirs never get the throne. We don't get the throne. We are heirs. The riches from God the Father are passed down to us, okay, and to Christ. We are fellow heirs with Christ, but Christ is above us as he is seated at the right hand of the Father. We are not seated at the right hand of the Father. Christ is seated at the right hand of the Father. Okay, so verse 17 again. And if children, heirs also, heirs of God, and fellow heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with him, so that we may also be glorified with him. So let me ask you, have you suffered? Have you suffered with him? Have you suffered with Christ? Because it says here, if indeed we suffer with him, Christ, so that we may also be glorified with him. If you haven't suffered, then it just goes to, to say that we won't be glorified with him. Maybe we should just read out of the commentary here. Uh, Romans 8, verse 17 in the commentary says, Membership in God's family brings privileges that boggle the mind. All God's children are heirs of God. An heir, of course, eventually inherits his father's estate. That is just what it means here, is meant here. All that the father has is ours. Not all that the Father is, all that the Father has. All right, let's get it straight here. We have not yet come into the possession and enjoyment of all of it, but nothing can prevent our doing so in the future, and we are joint heirs with Christ. When he returns to take the scepter of universal government, we will share with him the title deeds to all the father's wealth. 
Okay, so just as I was saying, he, he explains a little bit deeper and a little bit clearer there. But just as I was saying, we don't get we we don't get what the father is. We get what the father has. There's a big difference there. We are not God. We are not gods, little g. We do not have that power, nor do we have that right. We are heirs. We get the riches. Okay? So that is where we are going to leave off this podcast this week. I hope this was helpful to you. I hope it brought some new light to this scripture. I know it sure did for me in thinking about this as I'm speaking it out. And, you know, this commentary definitely helps. So if, if you would like... I am going to put the a link to an Amazon uh, listing for this commentary down in the show notes, and you guys can go and pick that up. If you use the link there, it will give me a little bit of a kickback. You won't pay any more or any less for this commentary. Just by clicking and using the link, I will get a very minuscule kickback from Amazon for providing the link. So if you want to do that, you can go ahead, feel free to do that. I would encourage you to get some sort of commentary, whether it's the Believer's Bible commentary, whether it's something else. I really like John MacArthur. Uh, I do not have his commentaries, but those are very interesting to me. I would love to get a set. So if you guys are feeling generous, this winter and you would love to send me something you could send me a john macarthur commentary that would be awesome i would love that i would be oh so grateful but you don't have to do that okay but i would really encourage you to at least pick up the believers bible commentary it's not that expensive i think it's like 22 bucks um let's see it's on the back here 29 bucks so 30 dollars $30 on Amazon. You might even be able to find it on sale. It might be a little bit cheaper. Guys, I would encourage you to pick it up. It really does help a lot and it sheds a lot more light on the scripture. So stay tuned next week for another Faith Friday when we jump into Romans 18, Romans chapter 8, verse 18 through the end of the chapter. All right, guys, thanks for listening and I will see you in the next Faith Friday episode.